welcome to the Saints Church Podcast. My name is Julia, and I am extremely excited to be here with you today. We have another incredible message coming at you from our current series, Family Vibes. To make your listening even better, you can go grab a cup of coffee or tea or water, if that's your vibe, and enjoy as we continue working through the Word of God. Here's Pastor Randy. Pastor Randy Young, Executive Pastor of Saints Church, and uh, it's so good to have you join us um, right now as we just uh, take a few moments to open the scriptures um, and uh, just ask God to uh, speak into our lives. Let's just pray. God, we just pray right now that as we open up your word, God, that your word become alive to us, God. Right now, as we go and we study your scriptures, that you would just uh, say the things that you need to say to us today, God, and we pray that um, through that, your life will be glorified through our life in your mighty name. Amen. Well, it's so good to have you here and uh, something that um, I wanted to talk about today, um, if it was a sermon's title, it would be uh, Grief Disguised. And, uh, and sometimes um, we have a hard time um, understanding and dealing with grief. And, uh, and so today I just wanted to kind of go into the scriptures and kind of just uh, take a look at um, how Jesus dealt with grief. And uh, there's, uh, there's a few types of grief that we see in Jesus' life. And so we just wanted to dive into that. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to start in John 11, uh, verse 1. And uh, if you've been traveling uh, on this journey this last few months with us uh, here at Saints Church, uh, some of this will kind of come back to you. And so we're going to go a little bit deeper into some of these um, scripture verses that we've already covered, um, some of the stories that we've studied. And this one in particular is uh, Lazarus. And so starting in uh, John 11, verse 1, it says, A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured expensive perfume over the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about this, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened to the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although, so although he, he loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, Let's go back to Judea. Now, if you go into further into the, the scripture and the story, you find out that, you know, if you remember, Jesus was almost stoned there, and so the, the, the disciples have this debate of whether they should go or not go. And uh, Jesus kind of replied to them, and they, they were talking about, you know, also that, you know, Jesus, Lazarus is just asleep, but he'll rise again, you know. And they weren't getting the fact that, no, like Lazarus actually has passed away. And in verse 14, Jesus said, he told, so he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. And so one of the things that we find here is, you know, as Jesus comes onto the scene, somebody might have said, you know, you know Jesus, you're kind of, late to the party, like, you can't heal him, like, he, you can't, he wasn't, he's, he's no longer sick, he's just, he's dead. And one thing that we got to understand is that Jesus is never late. Um, Jesus is always on time. Now, I personally, a lot of times in my life, 
I'd have less stress if he maybe showed up a little earlier in the situations. Um, but we got to understand that there was a purpose of why Jesus told his disciples that um, he was going to stay a little longer and why his timeline was the way it was. And uh, he even tells us, I mean, he, he told them that for the glory of God, but they didn't really totally comprehend this. Um, and so in verse 11, uh, 21, it says this. It says, uh, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you only had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know God will give you what you ask. In 23, it says, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. In 24, it says, yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Now, she's still not getting what is about to happen. She doesn't get the context of why Jesus delayed and what is about to happen. And, and then we go into this passage here, which a lot of us would kind of recognize, or if you've been in the church world, you, you would be able to probably quote it. But Jesus says in 25, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. No one, anyone who believes in me will live again, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? And her reply was yes. And so Martha believed that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus could do whatever, you know, whatever he asked God would do. And, and so there's this context of she has the faith. And in 25, we kind of come to see what the, God's true power. And the true power is that he is the resurrection and the life. And again, remember, this is before the cross. And so he's revealing himself to his disciples of what is about to take place. And when we go to 33, we find that he calls for Mary. So he's had this conversation with Martha, and he calls for Mary. So Mary comes, and when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. In 34, he says, where have you put him, he asked them. They told him, Jesus, come and see. Then Jesus wept. Now, as a kid, when you had to have a memory verse memorized and you got the points, I mean, this is the go-to verse that everyone goes for is, you know, Jesus wept, you know. It's a short verse, but it's such a powerful verse because it shows that Jesus had emotions, that Jesus was deeply moved in certain situations, and this is one of them. The people who were standing nearby him said, see how much he loved him. But someone said, this man healed the blind. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? And so there's all this now doubt zone. There's this all this, you know, he could do all these things, but he's really not God because he could have kept Lazarus alive, couldn't he? And then what happens is we find out in verse uh, 
38, um, he was still angry. He had emotions. As he arrived to the tomb, which is a cave with a stone rolled across the entrance, roll the stone away, Jesus told them. And in 43, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with grave cloth, his face wrapped with head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. And so in this story with Lazarus, we see that Jesus was greeting. Jesus was faced with a situation where he loved Lazarus and his sister so much that it's almost to the point where he held it together. You know how you've been in those situations where you've held it together and then there was that breaking moment? Well, when he saw Mary wailing and crying, that broke him. And, um, and he reacted and responded to that situation and we see because of what happened in that Jesus didn't arrive early, the family had to go through this loss. And then through the end of the story, we see that God was glorified because he was able to raise Lazarus from the dead. He was to reveal who he was and that he had the power of resurrection. He had the ability to overcome the grave. Um, and so... One of the things that we find, there's, there's kind of four things that we find in grieving with Jesus. And that is, number one, is that Jesus grieved and mourned over people. Um, another thing that we find in, in situation with Jesus is uh, we find it in um, Luke 19, 41. And it says, But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late and the peace is hidden from your eyes. There before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. And so in this circumstance, this situation, we, we see that Jesus wept and mourned over places and circumstances. And I think we see that too in our lives with everything that's going on right now in the world, especially in Canada. Um, and we see all these fires going on. Uh, I think we're all mourning the loss when we hear of a community that's being devastated. Um, and Jesus went through that. Jesus mourned over places and situations. Another one is uh, Matthew 9. Um, if you were to turn to Matthew uh, verse 9, and, uh, uh, sorry, Matthew 9 verse 35, we see uh, Jesus traveling through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom 
and he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He, he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. So we find that Jesus mourned because of situations. He mourned over people. He mourned over places and circumstances. But he also mourned over situations. Now, think of this like, I've been able to be able to be on some pretty awesome tours across Canada and, and, and overseas. And they're pretty adrenaline. I mean, they're pretty fun. I mean, when you're in that show and you're in that crowd and you're at those amazing places that we've been able to play at and be part of, I mean, it, it, you get, you know, there's a reason why some people love tours. It, it can be addictive. You're just, you know, with the people, you're getting the right food. I mean, just the good moments, the good music, all that stuff going on. So that would have been similar with Jesus. He would have been in the right places with the right leaders, the crowd, crowd of people. I mean, he's seeing results. He's seeing, he's seeing all, it says all diseases, all illnesses were being healed. I mean, it would have been pretty exciting moments. But then in the midst of that, in the midst of all that that was going on, he saw the hearts of the people and what was going on, and he was grieved. He was grieved, and he was telling his disciples, pray. Pray to God that God will send the workers into the harvest field, because there's not enough workers. So we see in some, there's some situations that Jesus grieves over. Now, here's the crazy thing about grief. And this is why we're calling this sermon Grief in Disguise. When it comes to grieving over somebody you lose, that's, that's pretty understandable. And, and everyone understands that and they give you space. And, you know, you can, you know, depending on where you work, you get personal time. It's pretty devastating. I mean, I did lose my dad last year during COVID. Uh, my dad was a healthy guy his whole life. Um, and then May 8th, um, my dad was diagnosed, had a diagnosis, and uh, we were told maybe six months to two years. And uh, we had two weeks with him. And uh, the morning of uh, Saturday, May the 23rd, he passed away. Is it tough? Yeah, it's tough. Do I miss him? Yeah. I mean, and, and I would say he's probably the most amazing man I've ever known in my life, and, and a lot of people would say that about their dad, but I, I truly had a great dad, a great relationship. I mean, he was, uh, he was so funny. Um, you know, he, he had jokes all the time, you know? He would always say, what's the difference between a good haircut and a bad haircut? It's about three days, you know? Um, you know, even when we were building decks, I remember young at the farm building a deck, and he had his hand on the deck holding the piece of wood, and he took the nail gun underneath and slammed it, and the nail went right through his thumb and he pulled it out and the blood running everywhere and he just looks at it and says, stupid, stupid, stupid me, you know, bandages it up and then finish the project, you know. Um, he was a tough guy. But, you know, great relationship. I, I miss him deeply. But I think I've been able to deal with everything that's gone on with COVID. I've probably been able to deal with 
my dad's passing the best. Because I understand he was here, there was a diagnosis, he was sick, he passed away. And so I've been able to deal with the steps of grief. But there's some situations in my life that I don't understand I'm grieving, which makes it a difficult. And sometimes it's, you know, moving and circumstances, situations. Um, and so it's been hard to kind of really, sometimes in my life, deal with grief because I don't think I'm grieving um, until I really look at it. And there's, there's seven kind of uh, steps in grief. I mean, there's different models that you can talk about. There's five and three steps and seven and 12. But when you break down grieving steps, um, there's kind of th seven that, that people kind of will go through. One is the first one is shock. Um, it's the initial um, paralysis of hearing bad news. And then what happens is uh, usually there's denial, trying to avoid the inevitable. Then there's anger, which is frustrating, uh, frustration um, pouring out and bottled up emotion. And then there's bargaining, um, seeking in vain a way out. There's got to be something we can do. There's got to be a way to avoid this. Um, it doesn't have to end like this. Uh, then there's depression, um, final realization of the inevitable. Um, and then there's testing, uh, seeking unrealistic solutions, kind of taking the bargaining to the next level. And then there's acceptance, um, which is finally finding the way forward. And sometimes you can skip some of the anger and depending on what's going on. Um, and the ultimate goal with dealing with grief is being able to get to stage seven, which is acceptance. Um, but sometimes there's situations that just happen in life. Um, and I think we've all got those phone calls. You know, if you know anyone in your life, um, chances are you got a phone call uh, about something that's changed your life. It's changed your family history. You know, there's before the phone call how it was, and there's after the phone call that happens, you know? And, and we remember those situations. We remember those surrounding moments of what's going on. I mean, my son, you know, I remember the phone call when we got when he was day, day seven. He was seven days old. And uh, I got a phone call. And uh, we'd been up all night late because, you know, and tired because uh, he's a newborn. And uh, my wife was making breakfast and having eggs on the stove. And she was making toast. And that burnt toast smell and the door was open. Um, the patio or the deck was, you know, that's where we were going to have breakfast. And the... Spring air was going through the house. It was a nice crisp morning. And I got the phone call and uh, she said, hi, the voice said, hi, uh, it's Christina from the Hamilton Children's Hospital. And uh, we, uh, we'd like to talk to you about your son, Patrick. He tested positive for a thing called PKU. I mean, positive usually means right, You're good, right? You know? And so we're chatting and and she said, we'd like to do some more tests if that's possible. It's Wednesday. And uh, maybe you can come in and, and do some more tests. I said, well, you know, I was, I was off work all week. I got to go in the office. Um, so I should be there tomorrow. But I can take Friday off. And she said, well, we're hoping, you know, that you can come in a little sooner. Now, here's the thing. Um, jokingly, I said, well, it's 11 o'clock. It's about 45 minutes, 50 minutes. We could be there by 12. She said, that'd be awesome. See you at 12. Go to this room. And when we got there, um, there was a room full of doctors, administrators, counselors, you know, so we knew it was bad. 
And, uh, and so my son was diagnosed with a thing called PKU, um, where uh, protein is toxic to his body. So he's, he's doing great. We're managing it, his, his, his diet. But you go through those situations where you have those phone calls. And you have to go through the emotions of hearing the news and, no, this can't be. The test's got to be wrong. You know, and then dealing with that. But there comes to a point where you have to accept it. And, uh, and so we all go through things like that. And it could be anything. You could have a job loss, um, somebody's health in your family. Um, could be a neighborhood situation that's going on. Um, there's all these things that we have to recognize that it's not just losing somebody. And in Matthew um, 14, if you go to Matthew 14, verse 13, um, it says, as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where Jesus was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw a huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it is already getting late. Send the people away so that they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. Now, this is where we see Jesus feed the 5,000. So we see this miracle take place. He's, he's taught. He's healed them. There's a miracle of the 5,000. And then in verse 22, it says, immediately, Jesus, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back in the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. And so well, what, what was this news? How tragic could it be that he would want to, you know, Jesus, how, that he'd want to be alone, that he'd have to deal with some news? Well, the story before is the beheading of John the Baptist, who is his cousin and close friend. And so when he heard that, John the Baptist was dead. It was devastating to him. And so sometimes we do need to retreat. Sometimes we need to have alone time. But even through this, we see Jesus push through. We see Jesus dealing with it in a healthy moment. He didn't just turn all the people away. Um, he still met their needs. And then after that, he took some time for himself. And so one of the things that we need to model is we need to ask God, how can we process grief? How can we work through grief? One of them is to go to the scriptures, but sometimes, too, it's to get plugged into a network um, with people, too. And we have a great program um, at the church called Grief Share. And, uh, and you can contact the church if you're going through the loss of somebody. Um, but sometimes it's not just the loss of somebody. It's the situation you're going through. And when I'm sitting talking with people, um, I'm like, yeah, you're grieving. And they're like, no, I'm not grieving. I'm like, yeah, the anger, the confusion, the bargaining, the, the trying to avoid things. I get it because that's me. 
I've been there. That was me in 2011. That was me in 2014. That was me in 2017. That was me like two weeks ago. I get it. And sometimes we don't understand it, but when we have those emotions come out, when we're dealing with situations that are not normally our personality, then we have to stop for a moment and say, what am I grieving about? Why, why is this hitting me so hard? And the good news is, is that Jesus went through it too. And the good news is that there is hope. And God gives us hope to not only go through it, but to be stronger because of it. And if you're mourning something or if you're going through depression or if you're losing something that in your life that was so valuable to you, what I've learned is I've learned to give it to God. And as you give it to God, he'll give it back. I mean, Job, which we won't even go into this morning, but Job was a godly man. And Satan kind of like challenged God that, well, he's only good because you treat him so good. And Jesus said, do what you will, but you can't kill him. And Job had everything taken away from him. But at the end of the story, we see that Job was given back double what he had before. And I can tell you right now that if you are willing to let God to come into your circumstance and situation, he will bring glory to it. And I don't know how sometimes it is. I don't even know how that will happen. But I just know that God is so good that there's a bigger plan. There's a reason why he delayed going to see Lazarus. And because he delayed, we were able to see a miraculous healing take place. And we were able to see that he does have power over the grave. So when Jesus died on the cross... Jesus was able to overcome the grave. And maybe you're here today and maybe you don't understand that power in your life. Can I tell you right now that if you're struggling with peace, um, fear of the future, acceptance, John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You might say, well, you know, Randy, you don't know me, so you don't know the things that I've done. Well, the scriptures also say that when he forgives us, he forgives us of all unrighteousness. And today, if you're in that situation where you feel this tugging and pulling, this fear, you don't have this peace, I can tell you right now that I can invite you to pray with me. And if you want to accept Christ into your life, he will take all your past and wipe it clean. And again, because John 3, 16, for whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And if you'd like to do that, I'm going to do that right now. Why don't you just bow your head wherever you are um, and just repeat after me. Jesus, I just thank you that you are God. I thank you that you've died on the cross for me. I pray now that you would take my life, forgive me of my sins, and help me to live for you.
in your mighty name, amen. If you just did that, I would tell you just to uh, pull out your phones and text Jesus to 587-400-2010 and our team would love to connect with you and start you on a relationship with what it means to be in a relationship with God. We have a team that would love to just uh, surround you with love and, and help you answer any questions you have. So maybe you find yourself in a situation where you're grieving. Can I tell you that you can give that to God? And he will be glorified in that situation. I don't know what the circumstances could be. But I always know that when God's in control and when you give God control, he will give you the peace and the strength and the endurance to be able to not just survive but walk through whatever you're going through. And I know that because I've gone through it too. And I find comfort that I'm not, the grief that I've felt, the grief that I've gone through, Jesus has gone through it too. And so I just know that I can rely on him. And I'm just gonna close in prayer and whatever you're going through right now, I'm just gonna pray that God would just bring healing into your life, bring support into your life, and even understanding whatever that diagnosis that you're waiting for, whatever that family situation is, nothing is out of God's control. Even in Job's situation, God was still in control because he had the ground rules that were placed. So let's just pray. God, I pray for those that are watching right now, God, in those situations. I don't know how severe those situations are. God, I, I know that you are the God, though, that is in control. You are the God that does heal. You are the God that brings peace, God. You are the Prince of Peace. And so, God, I pray right now and I place all those needs at your feet, knowing you are in control, God. And I pray for healing to take place when healing needs to be there. I pray for peace when peace needs to be there. God, I pray for wisdom when wisdom needs to be there, God. We thank you for all the doctors and all the people that, professionals that can help with different things. But God, we pray ultimately that you would step into every situation, God. And God, as you do, that you be given all the glory and all the praise, God. For you are King of Kings, our Lord of Lords, you're our Master, our Maker, our Healer, Provider. And we just give you praise for everything. In your mighty name, amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you want to know more about Jesus or who we are as a church, head on over to saintschurch.ca. We meet every Sunday and would love to see you in person. So come on down and get connected. Also, if you'd like to hear more on how to follow Jesus one step at a time, we have a whole collection of sermons right here on this podcast. Have a great rest of your day. See you next time.